Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by BetterHelp. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Gators to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. Support for Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Manscaped. Don't take a chance while trimming below the waist. Take 20% off and get worldwide free shipping with the code Gators20 at Manscaped.com. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me tonight, co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, readandreaction.com, on Twitter or X, whatever. I keep saying Twitter, but I don't know. At Will Miles SEC, so it's just a habit. You know, it's, everybody knows what we're talking about by now. Anyway, when you say yeah. X, they don't know what you're talking about, so just keep calling it Twitter, I man. I guess. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. With with X thrown in, that can go all kinds of bad ways. So you know, it just kind of keep keep Twitter there. Long live Twitter. Uh, I just I just like that he's got the or that he had to get take down the big the, the big glowing sign with a big glowing X in San Francisco. I'm like, well, that's got to be an interesting. Like, I don't know what I'd think if I was walking down a San Francisco street and I saw a big glowing X on top of a building. So, <laughs> yeah, like you said, it could go a lot of different ways. <laughs> Yep, there we go. We'll leave it at that. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, like, subscribe right here on this. Hey, a lot of people out here in live already. I know the chat was kind of going early on as well before we even went live here. So, everybody, thanks for uh, hopping in live. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Get those notifications. We'll be go live right here on Gators Breakdown. Leave a comment. Your support. Doing all those things go a long way in helping Gators Breakdown grow. we got a lot of stuff right here on this episode. The open practice was there on Saturday. We'll review that just a bit. And hearing from Billy Napier also today uh, on the heels of the open practice, talking about a quarterback timeline and really, really uh, in-depth on the freshmen uh, today, the freshman overall class, the freshman wide receivers, that we've talked oh so much about this offseason, and also the defensive backfield, uh, the freshmen there as well. So lots to get into right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Uh, before we move forward, also Gators Breakdown Plus, you get those ad-free episodes there. Link is in the description. But also, if you're a Gators Breakdown Plus all-access member, you also you know, get those uh, customized shout-outs. And Avery Lynch, hey, here we go. Shout-out to... Zadia Bohannon, biggest Gator fan out there, and Avery hopes y'all get to live a long, happy, orange and blue life. So right there, thanks for the shout-out right there from Avery. And you can get your custom shout-out right there on Gators Breakdown Plus if you're an all-access member. Get the Discord server as well, ad-free episodes, all that good stuff with Gators Breakdown Plus. And also a giveaway going on now, too, if you're new, a current member. Get a little grab bag giveaway there, a Gators Breakdown hat, uh, University Traditions Gator hat, a couple koozies, Gator sticker there for you as well. I'll, pick, I'll pick, probably be picking a winner soon uh, this week there, so get you a grab bag for new and current member signups right there. Gators Breakdown Plus, link is in the description. And, of course, the deal's still going on through Florida Victorious, big, nice fan event after the open practice, big crowd getting autographs, getting pictures with the coaches and the players. You get 20% off your first month using promo code GATORSBD. They're going to be doing that fan day 
every year now. Uh, Billy Napier did say that today. I was told that over the weekend, too. This is going to be an annual event. The first Saturday, the first training camp Saturday, Billy Napier is going to host this event right here for hopefully years to come, Will. Billy Napier is going to be the head man on this uh, on the sideline uh, trying to make sure uh, Gator fans get together uh, right there with the players. But, yeah, Will, plenty to get into in the open practice where first time the fans get their eyes on the team since spring game. Yeah, it's nice to not have everything shrouded in secrecy like it usually is in the fall camp. But I know they didn't show very much, and I know this was really an event for the fans. And if you saw the line in Alabama for Nick Saban where they had all the people who had contributed to NIL just lined up like around Bryant-Denny Stadium, yeah. um, you know, it does tell you that the landscape of college football is changing. Obviously, with the with the conference transitions that have occurred this week, we can all see that the landscape is changing. NIL is a part of that, and these open practices are going to be a part of that too getting fan engagement getting you know benefits to fans who sign up and support the program that's all going to be part of what what moves things forward and look I, mean, I think Billy Napier one of the things you heard about when he came into the program when you talked to anybody who'd sort of talked to him offline was that he was a really genuine person and these sorts of events give him the opportunity to show the fan base that side of his personality and I think that's an important thing for him to do right that the the W's and L's are obviously going to be the most important the recruiting is going to be the second most important thing but one of the things that I think really did cause Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen some consternation amongst the fan base is that they just didn't really connect very well. In fact, Will Muschamp got a fourth year when maybe he wouldn't have because okay. he was somebody that everybody in the fan base really liked and wanted to see succeed. So, you know, we've been talking about recruiting, talking about how it's going to require some patience for Billy Napier in this particular rebuild if we want to let him see it all the way through. Well, part of that is going to be building that goodwill to the fan base, building more of a Muschamp relationship with the fans than a McIlwain or a Mullen. Now, obviously, at the end of the day, you still got to win and no one's going to care that you've got open practices and that you're a good guy if you're not winning games. But it, you know, when it comes down to, do you get the benefit of the doubt at some point when it becomes a little bit sketchy and there's going to be a point where things get sketchy and we have some doubts either this year or next year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You look even at, even at all the coaches along the way, you look at Dabo Swinney, at Clemson, nearly got run out of Clemson before he wound up turning that thing around and, and and winning a couple of national titles. I think you see that in a lot of different places where guys get run off pretty quick. So building that goodwill, I think, is an important part of what Napier has to do in order to build this program, and certainly getting the NIL support is a big part of that as well. Absolutely. So heard rave reviews, saw some videos, fans having a good time there with the players and the coach, and uh, also had a good time in the stands watching this team. And, Will, I think we got to start right there at quarterback, of course, and – I think it was pretty clear uh, Saturday. Graham Mertz is going, uh, right now the number one quarterback. Not much of a controversy. Um, maybe still have a competition going on. Billy Napier says there is. We'll get into that in just a second. But um, Mertz getting the most of the one reps there uh, on Saturday. Now, this could be part of a you know rotation of, of practices, and maybe this just happened to be the practice that, that was going to rotate where he was getting the most one reps, but I don't think we're that naive of what's going on right here. I think uh, Graham Burns is going to be the guy. I think we all kind of know that this week. But we'll get it. We'll get maybe a timeline uh, of the announcement, uh, if there's going to be an announcement of a starting quarterback. Uh, I think so this week. We'll hear from Billy Napier about that in just a second. But Graham Mertz leading the way and maybe more of the battle will going on maybe for the quarterback two spot. And mentioned you know last week that it's really – and you're kind of apparent that everyone got to see Max Brown uh, really pushing the ball in some clips and highlights last week and really pushing Jack Miller for that number two spot. Uh, Mertz had the majority of the snaps with the first team offense, and you can just tell he knew what to do, you know, getting the offense in its rhythm, doing the basics of lining it up, not out there thinking too much, a little bit of a slow start, but then really came on in a team drill setting, finishing with a couple of touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, numbers for Mertz, 9 of 15 in the 11-on-11 11 11 session, two scores, the two scores that I just mentioned. Uh, but, Will, I mean, behind the scenes, and, hey, Will, this is a running joke on Gators Breakdown Plus 2, by the way, of behind the scenes, you might be the Max Brown Hive leader uh, out here. And if Saturday's in the indication, he he may have passed uh, Jack Miller. We've been talking about this on the, on the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord, brought it up last week just a bit as well, where, you know, this, 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 this behind Graham Mertz is really getting interesting here uh, for who could be the number two quarterback. And may Max Brown may have, you know, at least putting it in a conversation of passing or has passed Jack Miller. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, we'll see if the rotation may be played into it just a bit as well. But 
you know, right here, you know, Brown's really pushing for the spot, even just hearing about it, you know, more so than what we are seeing in the eyes. You start asking around the program, he really is pushing uh, that competition for the, the second cornerback spot, uh, second quarterback spot. But Brown's 4 of 10. Uh, the team drills won't really excite you all that much, but made some really impressive throws in the one-on-one sessions as well. Uh, you know, consistency, that's probably the biggest thing that Max Brown's got to overcome right now in his young career. Uh, the second-year quarterback may have the best arm out there, Will, of the three, but consistency Still not quite there, but I am excited to hear about the development of growth of you know the first quarterback Billy Napier brought in. Yeah, I mean, so I've obviously been somebody who's been shilling for Brown, or at least to see Brown in a larger capacity in the spring game. We didn't see him much at all, right? It was right. definitely the Mertz. It was definitely the Mertz and the Miller show, and so you just sort of assumed he was buried at third in the depth chart. But to hear that he's making progress, and more than anything, when you look at his high school stats. And normally I harp on completion percentage, and that's one of the places where I would go to immediately with, with, uh, with, with Brown is that he's got, he's got a profile that suggests his ceiling's really high. But the big thing is 173 rushes for 1,343 yards, 7.8 yards per rush his senior year in high school. So in terms of the thing that I think really makes me nervous about Graham Mertz is when you get into that second and three, third and three, like those times when you might need to have a quarterback run, have the quarterback run potential. That's not something Mertz is necessarily going to be able to get you. But you think about 2006 where Tim Tebow came in, and I'm not calling Max Brown Tim Tebow, but where Tim Tebow came in to get them those tough yards to bring a running presence to the quarterback position. That's something that Max Brown should be able to do as a backup in a way that Jack Miller's just not going to be able to do. He's much more of an athlete, but still has, a you know like you said, the best arm of the three. Um, whether or not he's seasoned is, is a different question than whether he can contribute. And so having him at that number two spot, getting his feet wet maybe in the second and the fourth game of the year where you start to have some comfort that if something were to happen to Graham Mertz, you would have comfort having him in there starting starting a game against maybe a Kentucky or against a Tennessee if something were to happen to Mertz along the way. But look, I mean, I think from the start, you've always sort of assumed that Napier is going to play the best player. Um, Mertz appears to be that guy. The fact that he's talking about naming a guy pretty quickly, all indications are that's going to be Mertz's number one. But, you know, I, I think the problem is, is that when we saw the spring game two years ago and then the spring game this year, there hasn't been a huge progression that I've seen in Jack Miller, right? It's not like I looked at two years ago and went, oh, there's been a lot of improvement. Now, granted, he was put in a tough situation against Oregon State, and I think in many ways we hold that against him. At the same time, we're now looking at three data points. And when you combine that with his high school statistics overall, I think a game manager light is sort of the best we can probably hope for from him. And so the ceiling for, for Brown is significantly higher. And that's why I keep saying, I want to see him. I, I think if you get through 2023 and you don't know what you have in max Brown, I think you're in trouble because Graham Mertz could end up leaving and then Brown and Miller and Lagway are battling it out for the starting job next year. And none of those guys has a real start. Like, I think that's a problem. You're going to have to get some guys, some experience this year. And if you think Brown has a big, has a higher upside than Miller, then you got to put him to just to get him the experience. Yeah, and Florida's got those two cupcakes at the beginning of the season this year too. So you hope, uh, you know, hopefully you take care of, Utah, and you can come home and go against McNeese State and or McNeese, and then you've got uh, you know that traditional cupcake blowout by the you know set halfway through the second quarter or going into halftime. And hey, maybe we get to see him in that game setting, as you said, because you and I did that last week too. Will I did peek ahead to next year, and we don't know what the future holds for Graham Mertz. And you know, if he's if he does go, and that leaves a wide open hole for the Florida quarterback position, and it would I think would speak a lot to Billy Napier of your first guy maybe being the starter in that bridge year to Lagway. And then, hey, maybe it opens up a great competition between Brown and Lagway in 25, and that's what you want. You want to breed competition uh, right here. And hopefully down the road, uh, that's what we get with Max Brown. But uh, it certainly seems like uh, he's really pushing Jack Miller for that corner, uh, that second quarterback spot. But, hey, let's go. Uh, Billy Napier was asked about, you know, after Saturday – uh, was asked about, and I asked him about it in the spring, about uh, a timeline of naming a quarterback. We knew it would probably be coming to the fall. Uh, he was asked about it at ACC Media Days as well. Well, now after the open practice where it's kind of apparent that Graham Mertz is the guy, what about a timeline for naming a starter? Yeah, we, we've got three practices here. You know, we're off today. We're reloading today, and then we'll be kind of prepping for the scrimmage. Um, so I think we could – 
you know, that'll have a lot to do with it. But we, we've seen the body of work. I think it's all going to matter. But um, we're right in the middle of that process. We do have competition. And I'm um, looking forward to watching those guys in a couple more days. I think we've connected on a number of deep balls so far in training camp, you know, in all thirds of the field, you know. And I think um, these guys can do what we ask our quarterback to do. I've got no issue there. Kind of, he was asked about, you know, will the quarterbacks pushing the ball down the field? You know, Anthony Richardson last year, no problem in the vertical passing game and getting the ball down the field. But could these quarterbacks do it? Billy Napier, pretty confident. Uh, of coming, of course, I expect him to say that right here in this press conference setting, but uh, you know, I had to throw that in there anyway. But yeah, and it, I told everybody around SEC Media Days, I put the timeline on it of around the first scrimmage. The first scrimmage is Thursday, uh, and Billy Napier does have a press conference on Friday. If you're asking me, yes, I think he names Graham Mertz the starter uh, on Friday. We'll get the scrimmage on Thursday, uh, and I think that will kind of be the final uh, the final nail there of naming a starting quarterback moving forward uh, for fall camp 2023 and ahead of the Utah game. But, uh, Will, I, I think we get our answer this week. Yeah, I mean, look, if the answer is this week, it's definitely going to be Mertz, right? But I mean, sure. I, I don't th- I don't think you have some surprise where it's like, oh, all of a sudden you've got a redshirt freshman starting and Mertz <laughs> is ticked off and, and Mertz and Miller are, the, are fighting for the backup. Like, that's not going to happen. It's going to be Graham Mertz. And we've anticipated this from the start, right? Yep. You're going to Utah. You're going to play a game where the crowd's going to be loud. You need someone who can go throw for throw with Cam Rising. Um, and... You know, Mertz is the guy who's got the experience, and Napier needs to win some games this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So when he starts looking at it, I think um, it makes some sense. But that is also where I think bringing in a guy like Brown, if he's the number two, to give a change of pace, to give you some quarterback run game, to get to give you that third and one where there is a risk where Brown might run all of a sudden brings a dimension that Merch just doesn't bring. I think there's a way to combine these guys to maybe maximize what you're getting while while minimizing the risk that you're taking while having Mertz out there. So while I suspect that Mertz is going to start and get the lion's share of the snaps, I would be really surprised if they didn't have a Brown package where he's trying to bring some of the running game, get some misdirection, get the running backs free on the edge, those sorts of things, um, as opposed to just relying on Mertz being back there. Because Mertz in his entire career has 125 rushes for negative 21 yards so not exactly a burner this is not anthony richardson that we have back there making plays and florida's offensive line was really good last year not giving up sacks but a lot of that was due to anthony richardson being able to get out of trouble mm-hmm. and Mertz isn't gonna be able to do that so you might get behind the chains a few times i think he's gonna have to take a few punts over the course of the year gonna have to rely on his defense and we're gonna see whether the defense can do anything because they certainly couldn't last year but um you know, not a surprise that it's Mertz. I think we've all sort of been waiting for this. We've been hoping that maybe um, either Miller or Brown would step up and just push Mertz extensively. But you know that doesn't seem to be what's happening. It seems like it's going to be a pretty easy call for Napier to make, and it's going to be the one that everybody sort of sort of presumed it would be coming out of spring camp. And uh, you know, we'll we'll know where we're at coming up Friday. I'm sure. Yep, yep. And we'll get our answer, of course. Was it the Wisconsin offense holding him back, or was Graham Mertz holding the Wisconsin offense back? The 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 age, the, the the spring age old question, I guess is what we'll call it, because that's just been uh, you know kind of the theme uh, that they didn't do him any favors. And I know that's kind of been the talking point that I've been kind of going through with you know, different radio interviews and different podcasts. And hey, we'll we'll get our answer pretty soon. I just hope I don't have to start out an article saying two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> like the I, Wisconsin I offense yep. can be trash yes. and Graham Mertz can still can still struggle. Those two things can be true. And look, I think hey, people I think listen this- to get breakdown in any length of time. They know that's one of my favorite phases. Two things can be true at the same time. So, and I have said that could be the case here. Hopefully not. <laughs> well, what you're really getting in Mertz is you're getting a guy with a very with a significantly there, there's not a lot of variability in terms of what you're going to get. I think his floor is going to be about what he did at Wisconsin last year, QB rating of 135, but yards above replacement, which is my stat, the factors in running has him negative, has him below average. His 
maximum is, is ceiling. It's going to be a QB rating of around 155. So not Hendon Hooker, not Bryce Young. It's going to be more in that Felipe Franks 2019 range where or 2018 range where he's a good quarterback, not a great one. And then it's going to be a question of what can he do in the running game? What can he do in terms of touchdowns to interceptions? What can he do in the red zone? Those sorts of things. One interesting thing is if you look to Florida, they were incredibly they were incredibly explosive last year, but it was the second year in a row where they ranked in the top 20 or top 30 in yards per play, and then we're sitting at like 65th in points per game. And that disconnect is tied to turnovers, and it's tied to red zone inefficiency. And so just a more – even a worse offense with a more efficient red zone will end up with a team that scores more points. And so you know, Mertz might have an opportunity to be an upgrade from the standpoint of just not constantly having those ups and downs makes things a little bit, a little bit easier on the offense. And certainly I think – we all expect the defense to take some sort of jump. How big that is is a question, but it can't possibly be as bad as it was last year. And so if it takes any sort of jump, then he doesn't have to be as good as Anthony Richardson. I think you know all those things combined make Mertz the safe pick, but also, especially on the road against Utah to start with, may probably make him the right pick for what's going on. You know, I'd yeah. love to see somebody like Brown take the bull by the horns and start and all of a sudden sling the ball all over the place. And I still think that long-term, he's a better option than Graham Mertz, like long-term over the next two years. But, you know, given where the schedule is, given what Napier needs to get accomplished, given that when you bring in a transfer quarterback, he he really kind of starts as the starter and somebody has to, has to displace him, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Agree, agree on all that, Will. So, all right. So, if you got the title of the episode there, and if you listen to Billy Napier's press conference today, and ton of questions, and hey, rightfully so. If you look at the open practice and a lot of the storylines through the spring as well, coming up to this point, I think we've all been kind of pegging a whole lot of true freshmen, especially the wide receiver position, of course. But true freshmen making their mark so far uh, with this, you know, this these 2023 Gators. Gators gonna be a young team. Going to have to rely on a bunch of true freshmen uh, here in this, but. Uh, Billy Napier, here's his thoughts on the 2023 freshman class so far. I really believe in what we do and how we do it relative to our year-round plan to help develop the player. And, you know, there's just there's a mental component, uh, and then there's the physical component. So each player is a little bit different, right, relative to, you know, where are they at um, in all parts of life. You know, so I think that – goes back to the evaluation piece and then you know you adjust and how you teach each individual you know what's the workload look like i think being here in january is a big deal you know so we install in the off-season program we do it in spring practice and we do that over 34 35 days right so that's the that's the best teaching block we have and then we go back Summer A, Summer B, and this is the fifth time we've covered the material, right? So, um, again, these are all very capable young people. Well, Billy Napier there going over true freshman, and man, really, really, he does it later on too when we talk about DBs, but really goes into, hey, early enrollees. If you can get here in January, we got a lot to, you know, we got a lot to put under, under your belt we, uh, and, and under your pillow and, and, and think about by the time you hit the field for the first game uh, of your freshman season, you're not, you, if you go through, if you're an early enrollee, I guess we won't call you a true freshman <laughs> much anymore. Cause that's how much experience that we're giving you all the way through January and all the way to your first game here. So we'll kind of go by position here 
Um, well, anything overall on freshman Will? We're going to start right here with the wide receivers and kind of marry it to what we saw on Saturday. But you know, overall, I mean, of course, we we had all been excited about this wide receiver class. Brought in a deep, deep DB class as well. Some players at edge uh, as well. I mean, this was you know, last year, but minus the Jaden Rashada saga, I think you look at the rest of the class. I, mean, this, I think we were starting to point to some position groups that we were really, really excited for. And we'll start here at receiver. But overall, I think uh, a, a freshman class that we thought we would see some impact from. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have to. I mean, out of the eight, out of the eighty-four scholarships that, that I've got listed on my roster, 29, 29 of them are freshmen or redshirt freshmen, and then another twenty-five are sophomores or redshirt sophomores. So they they have fifty-four guys out of the eighty-four who are um, who are in those first couple years in the program. So it's not just to me the true freshmen, though. The true freshmen are where you look, and really, this is the first class where these are all Napier's guys. I think the same. The, what really it boils down to is is that you're going to need contributions from young players. And Napier even said this, I think, in his press conference today. Maybe he said it earlier in the week. But basically that in college football these days, you have to have a program where people are able to come in and contribute right away. That you don't have the luxury of guys sitting around for a year or two because they don't because of the transfer portal. And when they transfer in, you got to be ready to get them in. And when they come in as true freshmen, you got to ready to you got to be ready to have them play. So that's the thing that strikes me is that him talking up the freshmen, him giving them an opportunity to win jobs is just a reflection of the way college football runs these days and some of the promises that you have to make when you're recruiting these guys and giving them the opportunity to step up is really a fulfillment of those promises. And I think in many ways, him stating in these press conferences that these guys are getting an opportunity is a message to the people he's trying to bring in in 2024 and 2025 that, hey, you're going to get this op- the same opportunity that all these other true freshmen are getting. It's your job to take advantage of it. But what I'm selling you is not a load of bull. I'm selling you a reality, which is that you get an opportunity to compete. Yeah, and, and I always go back last year, well, a year ago, this is the you know, first week of fall camp probably a year ago, and we're coming off of spring, and we're here at Lorenzo Lingard. We're in fall camp, and we're here at Lorenzo Lingard. The first third back comes in against Utah, and it's Trevor Etienne and not Lorenzo Lingard, and the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, so there is, you know, no, no matter what even we were hearing behind the scenes, and maybe, you know, it, it was multiple angles of what we heard. Hey, Lorenzo Lingard's having a good spring. He's having a good fall camp. Well, lo and behold, they found somebody better, and he was a true freshman. So it didn't really matter, you know, how good I guess you were, you, you know, what we heard you were doing. Um, they're going to go out there and, and prove, hey, if the true freshman can go out there and, and, and prove he needs to be on the field. I mean, you know, he's catching a, a little flare pass uh, in, in you know against Utah in the very first game, his first big game, Gators' first big game, top ten opponent right here in the swamp, and Trevor Etienne's right there in his first game getting carries. So. And, and 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 getting catches as well. So you know th- there there's a lot to point to about Billy Napier playing. You know his true freshman and, and hey place we know we're going to see him this fall or wide receivers. There was a microscope on him I think on Saturday uh, for with, with the open practice and hey Ricky Pearsall was out so uh, nothing major uh, should not uh, be uh, co- maybe COVID related here so. Hey, my dad just had COVID, so it's still around. So you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see. It's still going around out there. It should not be too serious there. But hey, it's another wide receivers we're going to need to step up uh, right there on Saturday. And let's start with the true freshman, of course, Andy Jean, Eugene Wilson, Aiden Mizell, uh got in the you know, Gene you, Wilson got in that rotation on first and second team pretty early. Uh, and here in the first week of practice, we've been talking about all offseason, uh, of course, but these young wide receivers getting a chance now uh, for everyone to see. And I think it's apparent now that these guys are going to play some meaningful snaps. Um, and for Wilson, he didn't go through spring and started fall camp limited and still out there making things happen. Andy Jean's picking up right where he left off in the spring. And, you know, Aiden Mizell out there making plays from, you know, spring to fall as well much like Andy Jean so you know, Jean's already we heard it last week been lauded for his route running from Devin Moore last week uh, but that was shown for everyone Saturday and you really got to look at it in one-on-one situations where uh, that stands out as he beats RJ Moten with a, a fake step outside and separates enough for an opposite corner as Mike Brown throws a dime over his shoulder where only Gene could catch it and then in 11-on-11, Mertz finds him as he, he sits down in the zone. He makes a catch and makes the first man miss, turning about an eight-yard gain into a 12-yard gain and, and moving the chain. So I like what I saw from 
you know, Andy Jean there on Saturday, and then moving to Wilson, Will, you can already tell he's a big part of get the ball in his hand play calls. Uh, the manufactured touches that we were hoping to see with somebody like Eugene Wilson, we were already seeing, you know, the, the, the screens, the quick little passes to get the ball in his hands. That was on display Saturday. I don't think Will's going to see those slow developing screenplays that we saw last year. And look, all the talk of him having the ability, it, it wasn't just talk. It just looks different with him out there. Uh, not so sure how many big plays this offense will create down the field, deep passes. We, know we were just talking about that. But I think the explosiveness with the catch and run type will certainly be more in the mix, especially with him on the field. Uh, and then, of course, you know, those two probably had the most notoriety on Saturday, Gene and uh, Gene and Wilson. But Aiden Mizell, he had a catch of the day, seven on seven with a one-handed grab, and also a touchdown with a quick slant against fellow freshman Dijon Johnson. So right there on Saturday, Will, they're in the rotation. They're 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 you know competing with Burke and Douglas and Frazier's. And hey, right there, first time the the fan base gets eyes on them in this fall camp setting. They're out there making plays all over the field. Yeah, well, from a numbers perspective, Florida needs these guys to step up. I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot of guys in front of them. You mentioned you got Pearsall, Frazier's, Chicka Cow Bowman, Burke, Douglas, and then Khalil Jackson, who, while a very good player, is someone who was just awarded a scholarship as a preferred walk-on. So you're not talking about enormous numbers in front of these guys. So even if you just had a couple of injuries at the wide receiver position, Gene Wilson and Mizell are going to have to contribute. But from an overall talent perspective, these guys seem to have – um, a leg up on a lot of the guys who are in the system as well, right? I think Pearsall is the guy you look at and say, okay, that guy's earned a spot. He's going to play. But the question is, who's who's going to be next to him? And these guys are all going to get an opportunity. Now, I think it actually, I mean, Wilson specifically, the little screen passes and that sort of stuff are going to be great, but only if he can block because you got to be able to have, you got to be able to have, um, you got to be able to use them as a decoy and have adjustments off of the action you're going to run. Otherwise, you'll run it once or twice against Utah, and then all of a sudden, whenever he's on the field, everybody will flood out to where he is because they know that's where the ball's going. So, you know, those things, the intricacies of the position, the stuff that Billy Gonzalez is actually really good at coaching, are going to mm-hmm. be the things that are going to probably differentiate and and establish whether Gene Wilson and Mizell can get on the field. It's not going to be their physical ability to run past people and go up and, and high point the ball and those sorts of things. Those are the things that I think they already know how to do from where they were at. So the things I think you want to be looking for when you have an opportunity to watch them, especially in the first game against Utah, and if there's any other practices out there, is are the guys in the right spot? Are they lining up correctly? Are they making sure we don't end up with illegal procedure penalties because we don't have things lined up correctly? Are they out there blocking? Are they blocking the right assignments? Because those slow developing screen passes they're slow developing for a reason. One of the reasons is they're really far on the outside and you're almost running it like a stretch run play. And if you get the guy who can put his foot in the ground and go, if you block it correctly, all of a sudden you have numbers advantages. So you get mad when that ball goes out there, but the reason it gets thrown out there is essentially it's a running play because it should be 100% completion percentage and you're hoping to get four or five yards and every once in a while pop one. The problem is you get hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage when the wide receivers can't block. So those are the things I think that are going to dictate, one, what the offense can do this year, and two, how often we see them on the field. Because just like Graham Mertz is going to get the nod most likely because he's the most consistent at executing what they want play after play after play, even though there might be some guys who are a little bit more spectacular behind him, I think it's the same thing at wide receiver. Is If you've got a guy like Frazier who's been in the system now for a couple of years and he can do the pedestrian things well and consistently time after time, he's going to get the nod over a guy who can flash, but then who also is going to allow his teammate to get completely blown up because he just whiffed on a block out there or didn't know he was supposed to block because he's not really familiar with the offense. So those will be be the things. I think at the end of the day, these guys are certainly um, physically gifted to be able to take a major role. The question is going to be, are they able to process everything they need to do outside of just running the routes and catching the ball? Yeah, Napier mentioned that too, Will, on freshmen just in general. Like, hey, it was good that they were in that Florida Victoria situation after the practice because now they're kind of seeing how big it is. Well, they've seen nothing yet. Now, (laughs) <laughs> they it, it was it was all smooth. It was all it, on Saturday. You know they were lining up in the right spots. You know for freshmen being out there. But we know in about three weeks' time they're going to be on the road in Salt Lake City on a Thursday night. And if they're on the field, that's going to be the first time they see anything like that. 
you know, and they, and they mentioned that too. It's like, yeah, you know, the, the, the lights haven't really turned on yet. You know, they, they, they still don't know what's coming just yet. So, you know, that, that's going to be a, a crazy raucous crowd wanting payback for last year. And we're talking about a lot of these true freshmen, especially on offense, of course, when they're, when they're, their fan base is trying to get as loud as they possibly can. You know, if, me, if Gene and Mizell and Wilson are out there and still lining up doing the things they need to do, then I, I think you know, if they can go on the road and show that game one, uh, we know just how far uh, these guys have come along and the impact that they can continue to make uh, throughout the season. But uh, if, if they're going to be big contributors and we want them to be big contributors by game one, they're going to have to do those small things right on the road in, in week one as well. So uh, glad you brought that up, Will, because that's honestly where I was going to go next. Uh, you know, Billy Napier talking about, hey, it's still kind of friendly right now. <laughs> so we, we, we know what's coming up, and we got to see how they handle that as well. But uh, here's more on Billy Napier and his freshman wide receivers. They're all, um, I think, extremely fast. I think that always helps, right? So um, documented speed. You know, I think Andy and Aiden and Trey, all three, you know, um, are verified fast. And, and I think it's a... Um, Receiver is still a very skilled position, you know, so it's one thing to be fast. It's another thing to play fast, right? So there's a mental component here relative to my assignment, my technique, uh, my adjustment to the coverage, um, you know, whether it's steps or depth or landmarks on the field. I think we're seeing kind of them get comfortable. I think Trey in particular, I thought last night, really cut it loose for the first time. You know, he's kind of had some a soft tissue issue to start camp. Um, so I think he his presence was known out there last night. I think he'll make our team better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think those guys, they've got character. They want to be good players. They're good teammates. Um, and I think they're hard at work trying to improve at their role relative to the team. Good to hear. I mean, Billy, Billy Napier pointing out Eugene Wilson getting healthy, missed, you know, dealing with a hamstring injury. He, Billy Napier not getting too specific there with the, the soft tissue, but hearing it's a hamstring behind the scenes. But, you know, we were wondering, hey, he was not available in spring. He comes and already fall camp starts and he's nursing uh, an injury, but it did not take long uh, for him to, to make his presence felt and, and be back on the field or be out there on the field running routes and being involved in 11 on 11, not just the uh, training and stuff off to the side there. So glad to have Wilson on board after what we saw from Mizell and Gene uh, in the spring and uh, an exciting group. Will. I mean, I, I know on the surface, if you were a rival fan base on listening to us, you know, you can't say, well, talking about three true freshmen here at the inside, we feel really good about it. Um, all three, can they make an impact this year? I mean, I think the biggest question I ask myself, Will, when I look at these three true freshmen, can any of them, any of them, be anywhere close to the impact Antonio Callaway had as a true freshman? I mean, that was one, you know, in at least recent history for us Gator fans, is that's the true freshman that you point to. I was like, all right, if any true freshman come in here, that's what we want to replicate. That's what we want to look at. And, you know, and Will Greer was quarterback that year, of course. And look, it's not like Will Greer was going out there and throwing for 300 yards every game. You know, it was, it was still a somewhat average passing game, but you knew you had a go-to receiver. You knew you had a receiver that you needed to get the ball in his hands. Can one of these three guys come close to that? Now, don't get me wrong. There's all three of these guys are pretty talented, and they might eat into that just a bit. But even collectively as a group, can they kind of do what Antonio Callaway did as a true freshman back in 2015? Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. I think these three guys are ranked at a position where, in, in the recruiting rankings, where you wouldn't expect all three of them to turn out. If all three of them end up being NFL players, and that says a lot about Napier and his ability to evaluate at this position. But one of the three, absolutely, I think one of these guys should be an NFL player who ends up going to the le- going to the next level three years from now. And last year's a pretty good example of what Napier will allow true freshmen to do. Right? You mentioned ETN, um, uh, you know, all SEC freshman. But, you know, you also have Shamar James, who was an all-SEC freshman. And it's easy to forget, but Devin Moore was probably going to be an all-SEC, yeah. a freshman all-SEC corner uh, before he got injured for his shoulder. He was playing pretty well up until he went down and went with the injury and was playing quite a bit until he went down with the injury. So you got three freshmen there who would have been on the all-freshman SEC team if Moore had remained healthy. 
And then you got contributions from guys like Chris McClellan. You got contributions from Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson as well. Now, those aren't guys who necessarily were were um, putting up enormous contributions, but those guys contributed to the team. Um, and so I think that's a reasonable expectation to have, that you have a guy at, at a position of need like wide receiver where, hey, can we get a freshman all-SEC season out of one of them? I think that's a reasonable expectation. Now, if you expect it to be that you got Reed L. Anthony <laughs> – <laughs> Reno Anthony and Jacques West Green and those guys, I think that's probably too, you know, I think your expectations are probably a little bit off, at least right now. I think if you got one guy who steps up, we should be really, really happy with that. And that's really good enough because if you think about it, you got if you get one guy who can jump up, maybe not even to the Callaway level, but let's say can play sort of like Trevon Grimes. And then you got Pearsall out there who showed an ability to make explosive plays last year. And then somebody like Bowman or Frazier's or Burke or Douglas just sort of stepping into a role where they catch 25 or 30 passes. Well, now all of a sudden you've got a passing game that's at least serviceable. And with Graham Mertz at quarterback, I don't know that you're necessarily going to have this explosive passing game all the time. The question is going to be, do you make the catch when it's a seven-yard slant and he hits you right on the numbers and the guy and the corner's coming in and swiping the ball away. Are you going to bring that ball in, secure it, and get the first down, or is the ball going to get knocked away? Those are going to be the critical plays I think we see throughout the year that these guys either can or can't make. You know, the play for Callaway against Tennessee obviously is the one that I think everybody remembers, and that was sort of his coming out party. But there were a lot of other plays throughout the season that made you that made you go, that's a solid play by Antonio Callaway there. And you lost a little bit of that when Treon Harris came in for Will Greer, but still, um, you know, it wasn't just two big plays and that was it for Callaway. It was there were the big plays that were then supplemented by being a reliable receiver for the vast majority of the rest of the time. And so can we get that out of one of these guys? I think will be the question because if they can be a true number two, I don't think they need to be a number one. Mm -hmm. If they can right. allow Pearsall to be the number one and it can be a true number two, then that allows the guys like Frazier's or Burke or Douglas to slide into the number three spot. And all of a sudden you feel good about this group. If, you know, if these guys are sitting there as like the three or four receiver, well, then I think we're going to be talking about, um, you know, how the passing game has struggled. So that, that'll sort of be the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll talk more receiver too. Saw his name brought up, Marcus Burke, a little bit. Uh, we'll brought his name up. We'll get into him in just a second too. Continuing uh, what we saw from the spring uh, from him, and also we'll get into more of these freshmen, especially uh, in the de defensive backfield. Uh, but before we do, Gators Breakdown is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I've seen firsthand the difference therapy can make with a family member, and the relationship is now better, stronger than ever before. It's hard to take care of life challenges if you don't take care of yourself first, and that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp brings the therapy to you. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Gators today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. Support for Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this offer for Gator Nation. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GATORS20 at manscaped.com. The new performance package 4.0 includes the lawnmower 4.0. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Turn on that LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. And because the, the trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear trimmer is the best I've tried. It's the only one that works. You got to try it. And after trimming your footballs, show them some love with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your ball game to the next level. And then Manscaped, they even throw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shared Travel Bag. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code GATORS20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off 
plus free shipping worldwide with the code GATORS20 at manscaped.com. All right, well, let's get into a couple of other names. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it here in the passing game a little bit and some names that will translate well from spring practice and the spring game, and that is Marcus Burke and Arliss Boardingham. So Marcus Burke continued his tough physical play at the wide receiver position from the spring game. Uh, he was the best wide receiver that night in the spring game. He's picked up right where he's left off um, from the last time the fan base saw him in person. Two nice plays, uh, one from Max Brown in 11 on 11, where he had to make a contested catch. Uh, but it was obvious that Burke is the favorite of Graham Mertz, at least on Saturday, as they linked up multiple times in 11 on 11 session as well. Uh, one there was plenty of video of uh, was Mertz in the pistol, uh, Webb motions beside him for a fake handoff. Mertz then sprint rolls out to his right, finds Burke crossing uh, the field for a first down. And look, it was pretty encouraging to see Marcus Burke making plays hearing Marcus Burke making plays again, uh, off, especially after what we saw in that spring game. And then you have to keep it up with Arliss Boardingham as well. As we were previewing the spring, Will, with me, you, and Nick, you know, he was the player that I was labeling as the breakout player going in the spring. Uh, and he did it in that setting. It needs to translate to fall. And so far, so good at this tight end position for Arliss Boardingham. Multiple touchdown receptions on Saturday to go along with nice catches throughout the day. Uh, and, I mean, there was two names, Will, we heard in the spring that we're continuing to hear, and at least we got to see with our own eyes on Saturday as well. Yeah, the one play you're talking about to Burke is that flood route that they run all mm -hmm. the time where Mertz gets to pretty much choose his level, right? And the defense covers the the the, the short level layer, and he hits the intermediate. If they cover the short and the intermediate, then he goes long. Burke was in the intermediate, hit him right on the numbers, really nice play. But that's something that's sort of a staple of the offense. And I think a good thing to see, having Douglas in that spot as the guy who comes across, or having Burke in that spot as the guy who comes across, I think is a uh, is a significant thing in terms of where he's at. But, um, you know, I look at that one and go, I'm glad he's getting hit and I'm glad he's making the catch, but that's a staple of the offense and everybody in the offense should be able to run <laughs> that one. I think Boardingham is the one that you just look at and say he's got to be the guy who's the blinking blinking green light that we look at and go, hey, look, like maybe he's not a star, but he's a major contributor. Because you think about it, Xander's last year really showed out in the fall, but then it didn't really translate. You got Zipper who's hurt and isn't going to play this year. You got Odom who hurt his knee in uh in in the Oregon State game and then that's it you got Boardingham Hanson Livingston and Savinier there at the tight end position all in the freshman redshirt freshman yeah and Livingston's getting some talk of you know being in great shape so you know hopefully he's another guy who can who can give us some depth there I mean, you're going to need more than one, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like for an SEC schedule, you're going to need more than one. I, I know I saw something the other day for Darnell Washington, the former Georgia tight end, and he mm -hmm. was just lighting it up in camp. And you're like, God, that guy sometimes struggled to stay healthy during the regular season for Georgia. Like he's, he was the guy who always seemed to be sort of limping around a little bit. And that guy's enormous. So you sit there and look at that and go, all right, well, what does that mean for the tight end position in college football? Well, it means you probably need at least two of them to make sure that you're able to, to supply that position. So they're going to need some of these guys to step up. I think we always sort of thought Hayden Hansen was going to be the guy who was the blocking guy. And you're not going to see a whole lot during practice and fall camp that tells you whether he's able to be that sort of extension of the offensive line. And that, again, I think is going to be the question for Boardingham. It's the question for all these freshmen or redshirt freshmen it's are they able to execute the blocks that enable them to then to then um extend that to the mismatches that they have on the field right that that boardingham will be a mismatch against the linebacker i don't think there's any doubt about that the question is is boardingham able to prevent the linebacker being on him in pass protection as a uh, as as a liability right or in the run game is the linebacker able to hit a gap so if if the defense has an advantage when boardingham has to block but then the offense has an advantage when boardingham has to go out then it go out in a pass play then it's then it's a net neutral over the course of the game if he can be serviceable at the blocking at the blocking point of attack, well, now all of a sudden you have an advantage when he goes out a route. So those are the things you're really sort of looking for at the tight end position. It's the same thing you'd look for for Xanders or Odom or any of these other guys is are they able to do the nuts and bolts of the position? And then the things that we see and get excited about in camp are sort of the extraneous bells and whistles of the position, but the nuts and bolts are the stuff that's really going to come down to whether these guys get significant playing time or not. Yeah, I think the best combo for Florida is Odom getting healthy and him being the plus blocker and then being able to catch, and then Arliss being the plus catcher and then being able to block. Uh, I think that would be the best combo for Florida right now. And hopefully uh, it kind of 
Hopefully it kind of works out that way. Odom, he's out there, not really going through the 11 on 11 that we saw on Saturday. Uh, so hopefully he comes, kind of comes around. But, of course, his experience last year should pay off, uh, really coming on at the end of the year last year as well, hopefully being a, you know extra offensive lineman uh, there at times uh, for, for, for the skaters. So we'll keep going along with true freshmen. We'll go along with the run game just a bit as well. Trayon Webb was able to show some physicality early on. Uh, Truck Miguel Mitchell about 10 yards down the field. Uh, and he was running with the first team uh, on that rep. So nice to see him making the most of that chance uh, and for the staff to allow him to do so uh, and get a pretty good indication of his ability running with the first team. Uh, and then Trevor Etienne had one of the longest runs of the day. He broke a run outside behind Austin Barber, uh, who he was able to block Justice Boone, uh, ran right through two defenders that, you know, it would have been a little more physical had it been a real game. You know, he might have been tackled there, but if he breaks those tackles in a real game, he's a big run anyway. Uh, Miguel Mitchell had a face mask to end that run. Uh, a couple more news notes there along the offensive line. It looked like the starting offensive line, Will, was Austin Barber, Richie Leonard, Kingsley Aguaken at center, Najee Harris at right guard, Damian George at right tackle, but Micah Mazuka did come in. Uh, a little bit in 11-on-11 11 11 action, even though he's in a, a no-contact jersey. He lined up at left guard, uh, and that moved Richie Leonard uh, over there to the right guard spot. So, uh, But, look, I said Najee Harris. I said Trayon Webb. There's two more true freshmen. <laughs> Why wow, this is the theme of the episode, getting action with the first-team offense right there on Saturday in front of the fan base. But uh, um, yeah, no surprise, that's kind of how the offensive line looked. Barber, Leonard, Aguaken, Harris, George. Uh, for the first look of the offensive line. But good to see Mazuka going through, I mean, pretty much 11 on 11 in full contact, even though he's in that black jersey. Yeah, good to see him. You're going to need that depth. And then you got Lindell Hudson, who apparently was in a car accident earlier this week, mm-hmm. had a concussion. So I'm not sure whether he was even out there for for uh, for any of this stuff. But that's somebody who's going to be able to come in and provide depth as well. You know, you're sort of skating the razor's edge there on the offensive line, especially with those true freshmen in there. If they don't turn out, then all of a sudden you're searching for that fourth or fifth guy you really trust. You want to have seven or eight guys going into the season. I think if those true freshmen are guys that you trust, then um, you know that then then you feel a lot better about things. If those guys turn out to still have a lot to learn, then we feel a little bit worse. So, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where we don't really know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. These are guys who um, ostensibly have very good pedigrees and they've been raving about them all through camp. And so, you know, yeah, these guys are going to get a shot, but given, given, uh, you know, Keontae, Keontae Goodwin going back to Louisville or back to Kentucky or the Kentucky area, Lindell Hudson being out, I think seeing true freshmen, they're not a huge surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly got a lot to figure out there with, you know, some of the recent news there, uh, for the Gators uh, in the offensive line. So, all right, let's move to the other side of the ball, and let's go uh, defense right here. And really strong up front, uh, and no surprise. Yeah, everybody, knows, if you were listening to Gators Breakdown last week, I kind of had my uh, parade for the uh, defense, and that kind of started up front last week, uh, just how good I think those guys would be, how much deeper Florida is. Billy Napier went through it today, too, saying, you know, they're just – they're bigger, faster, stronger, deeper up front. And I think uh, this really stresses uh, how, how much better Florida should be and how, should, how it should help uh, this defense this year. But really strong performances by Jackson, Banks, McClellan, Watson right there on Saturday. They were disruptive most of the day. Banks was noticeable right away. He just blew up a run play for a tackle for loss. Kelby Collins was getting in on the action. I'm talking about true freshman right here uh, with a big tackle on a run play. Uh, but not just freshmen, some new faces too. Manny Nunnery, the, uh, starting with the first-team linebackers with Shamar James out. Uh, news about Shamar James, did seven to ten days uh, is what Billy Napier said. Make sure I had that right. Uh, yeah, week to ten days. Uh, they're not going to push him back. They're going to be kind of pr- conservative with that one. But uh, it's uh, just looks like a knee sprain from him, hopefully not keeping him out too much longer. Uh, but it gets Manny Nunnery some action there. And um, – as Napier said, that injury, it can be beneficial for the team. Uh, you have to have guys ready to step up, and they're finding different combinations. They're finding different ways for those guys to communicate. So they're, you know, it's good that these different combinations really help them evaluate the depth that they have at the linebacker spot. It uh, goes on further to say how proud of he is of Scooby and Wingo having handled, ha- handled all this with all the new faces coming in at linebacker. So – uh, well, going back to Saturday and after seeing the capability of uh, of Scooby and Nunnery out there, Florida just they look faster and more athletic at the linebacker spot. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we've been looking forward to um, all offseason. It's one of the things that, you know, you, you think about the defense and Florida's defense and where it struggled over the last really decade is just having a linebacker who can go side to side. And, you know, Mitchell and Nunnery and James all of a sudden give you the ability to potentially have guys who can do that, who can go sideline to sideline. That's an exciting thing. And then you start bringing in guys like Scooby Williams and Jaden Robinson and Deuce Spurlock sort of on the second side. And, hey, I think that's uh, I think that's a way to go. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Taraja Mitchell was good at Ohio State a couple of years ago. We'll see what he's able to do. Nunnery's the guy I'm the most excited about just because he was a huge special teamer and then all of a sudden started to become a huge a really significant playmaker there at Houston. And so combine that with Wingo and James and some of the other guys who are coming back. And I think you have a lot more confidence in the linebacker unit this year, even if there's an injury or two, even if a guy gets nicked up. I mean, the last two years, if Ventrell Miller went out, the whole defense fell apart and sometimes even fell apart when Ventrell Miller was out there. But, you know, I can remember him going out for the targeting penalty and us sitting there going, oh, how are we going to hold up in the first half? And you're sitting there going, you got to be able to replace one guy on the defense. Like nobody should be that important that you're sitting there going, how are we going to be able to deal with the targeting penalty? Because if somebody pulls a hamstring, you got to be able to deal with it, right? And and I think they'll have the ability to do that with the depth, but I also think the depth that they've brought in are guys who are going to have the ability to go sideline to sideline in a way we haven't seen in quite a while. And I think that's that's a... Um, I think that's a cool thing to see, given that the last time Florida's defense was any good, we had David Reese there in the middle. He wasn't a sideline-to-sideline linebacker, but he made such a huge difference when he was in there. It's just such an important position from a leadership perspective, but also just from an athleticism perspective. And finally, Florida looks like they're going to have some athleticism at that position. It's exciting to see. Yeah, as uh, John Wilcox says right here, and we knew this even last year, we're going to know game one how good they are at covering tight ends. So Utah bringing in Brent Keithy back into this offense as well, one of the best tight ends in the country. So there we go. So, all right, to kind of finish this out, we'll go to the defensive backfield. Devin Moore was out, surprisingly. You know, we featured him last week. He spoke to the media, didn't re-release the video, where it was just kind of featured on the return of Devin Moore and then we get to Saturday, and Devin Moore is not practicing with the team. So, uh, but it does not seem like major uh, anything to worry about. Billy Napier does say back soon. He's in a return to play protocol, so nothing really to worry about with Devin Moore. He's kind of stunk that you know missed a good bit of last year. Uh, he spoke to the media last week, uh, and we were kind of excited to see him out there in that second cornerback spot, but uh, was not out there Saturday. So. Jalen Kimber, Jakeem Jackson, another true freshman out there, uh, kind of fighting for that second cornerback spot. But hearing good things about Kimber, uh, but Jakeem Jackson, you know, of course, there with you know Dijon Johnson, DD, uh, as Billy Napier likes to call. I mean, hey, look, they've uh, they, they most of those guys were around in the spring. But let's hear from Billy Napier and uh, his thoughts on these freshman DBs. They're all bright. They're all um, eager. You know, I think in their we recruit them for a reason. I think they're going to make our team better. I mean, outside of DD, these guys were here in January, you know, so DD would be the one guy who's doing additional work, you know, extra walks, extra meets. That's the benefit of training camp is we have no time restriction. So a guy like him, you know, he's able to do the extra. But, you know, these other guys, I mean, we're living in an era of college football where a a rookie's got to play, a free agent's got to play, right? Whether it's the portal or a high school player. So you got to build your systems in a way to where a, you know, a first-year player can contribute and make a major difference in your team. That's an interesting point there, Will, of how he ended it. You've got to build your system so young guys can come in and play uh, and you know, not make it too complicated, not make it too complex. They don't need to be out there thinking too much. Uh, and, and this secondary that he, I mean, there's a lot of good athletes that those guys were known for that, uh, of being able to, you know, hopefully come in and just play right away. Now, these guys aren't going to be absolutely needed, so that's one good thing. They can kind of warm up, you know. Jakeem Jackson's not going to be starting unless, you know, uh, Devin Moore's injury, injury, you know, continues and, and, and Jalen Kimber's not uh, uh, performing. Now, you may get him in the rotation, I'm not saying he can't go 
force his way into the rotation, but you don't absolutely have to have him out there. Sharif Denson doesn't have to be out there uh, to play right now. If you see these DBs out there, if you see these freshman DBs out there, that means they've that, that means they've earned their reps. That means they've taken advantage of the system that Billy Napier, Austin Armstrong, Corey Raymond has put together back there uh, to find their ways in. So I think Florida's at least in a good spot, at least at the cornerback spot with Moore, with Kimber, with Marshall. If you see you know, a Jakeem Jackson, if you see uh, a Dijon Johnson back there, that you know those guys went and earned the reps, Will. Yeah, well, corner's also a place where you can do that, right? I mean, Austin, Austin Armstrong's uh, scheme is going to be bump and run, getting up there, <laughs> getting your hands on the receiver, and you're going to be out on an island. In fact, I went and looked at his film against Appalachian State last year, and every time there was a third down, he was bringing a ton. The first third down App State had, he, he had a cover zero blitz, and he had his corners out there on an island. There's going to be some of that this year, and those guys are going to be out on an island. Now, the good thing is is that that's, you've been playing that Ever since you were a little kid, right? You've been playing that one-on-one, you know, mano a mano stuff. There's no like, where do I drop in the zone? There's no match quarters. There's none of that stuff. It's I'm on you. I got to make sure I don't get picked by anybody. I got to make sure you don't get a clean release. And now I'm going to be running with you stride for stride the whole way down the field. It's easier to get guys in in that position. That's why running back and corner are the two places where you really look for um, look for solid contributions from true freshmen is because yeah they need to know the defense yeah they need to beat the guys who are already there but if they're more physically gifted they're going to get in the game and and at least right now Jakeem Jackson just jumps off the tape in high school and then Dijon Johnson has really been sort of forcing people to look at him here even though he missed the spring practice or didn't get here till fall so um yeah i think those guys are gonna get some time obviously i think they're all gonna get four games because you want to get them as much experience Mm -hmm. as you can the question is going to be do they get the fifth and the sixth and the seventh are you willing to burn that red shirt in order to get them in the games more and more and more and i think corner is a place where i wouldn't be surprised to see guys get significant reps just because that is one of the places where you can be ready to go really early on yeah, so I'm excited to see that athleticism back there on display, and you know, not have to be, but uh, if we're seeing them, I, I feel pretty confident. You know, they went out there and earned that opportunity uh, in uh, the system that they've built for them. So, all right, there we go. Good stuff, Will. We made it through a lot of true freshman talk. Uh, kind of, you know, I think early in fall camp, it kind of it lends itself to that. And I think you know, maybe as we get closer to the Utah game, maybe whittles down to. Yeah, we we will see if they're still out there, and you know, look, we don't get to see much more anymore. You know, Saturday was great because we got to see a lot of it out there, but uh, we won't get to see as much as uh, as fall camp rolls on. So, may have to wait until the Utah game before we get our answers. Just how impactful these true freshmen can be, uh, but certainly early on in fall camp, and of course dating back to spring, uh, we see him out there making some plays. So. All right, well, I know you teased it last week and up on Read and Reaction this week. You got your first opponent preview kind of before the season starts of uh, or, or an aspect of, of the opponent of uh, the Utah Utes there. Yeah, there will be a longer preview on game week uh, oh, yeah. that really goes into all the detail. But one of the things that we did for our preseason magazine over Read and Reaction is that we – Nick and I both go through every year and pick win, loss, or toss, right? Is it, a, is it an expected win, an expected loss, or is it an expected toss-up? And I had Utah as a toss-up. I have one where I thought, you know, I sort of looked at it, and I thought, yeah, you know, this is one that Florida has an opportunity to get. This isn't like Georgia where I immediately pick them as a loss. And so I, I'm what I'm doing is I'm going through and looking at all those toss-ups that either I picked or Nick picked and saying, all right, why is it a toss-up? What's the thing that makes me look at that team and say, hey, yeah, there's an opportunity here for Florida to take advantage? Because we spend all offseason picking apart all the warts in the Florida program and picking apart all the things that could go wrong or could go right in the Florida program, but everyone else has those warts too. And so for Utah, I think it's pretty clear that Cam Rising was an average quarterback through the air last year and has been now for two straight years, maybe slightly above average, but just slightly above it's his running that really differentiates him. And we saw that last year in the Florida game where I think he had seven rushes for like 114 yards. And if he's not able to do that because of his ACL injury that he's recovering from, he's going to be eight months out from that ACL injury that he suffered in the Rose Bowl, then all of a sudden the complexion of that game looks completely different. And so I went and looked at that specifically and said, hey, what is he as a passer if you take away the running game? What does that do for Florida's defense to really be able to step up? And and then I think there's a lot of other reasons why Florida makes this a toss-up, and this is really a 50-50 proposition. But that was the first one I took a look at was Cam Rising. So like I said, as we get closer to the season, on game week, there will be a preview just like there is all year long over at Reed and Reaction. 
and it'll, it'll incorporate more of the things in there. But to me, rising is the big X factor. And it's not, is he going to play or is he not going to play? It's, can we expect him to utilize the portion of his game that has been the most has been probably the most effective portion of his game when he's coming in off of a off of an ACL injury. It usually takes guys a full year to get back. And even then, running backs and linebackers and guys who really need explosiveness at the positions tend not to come back from ACL injuries nearly as well as other guys. And so if you're talking about a quarterback who uses his athletic ability, what does that mean in the first game of the year? I think it's the question is not is rising gonna play. I think rising is going to play. They've been sort of, you know, tiptoeing around it at some of these, you know, at Pac-12, um, <laughs> you know, media day and that sort of stuff. It's like, well, I don't know. It'll be a game time decision. Dude's going to play. The question is going to be if he still averages seven and a half yards per attempt, does that get you anywhere? Or do you have an offense that's stagnant because he's not going to be able to get out of the grasp of the defensive end like he did last year or like Jordan Travis did in that Florida State game last year? All of a sudden, you got a guy who's a, who's a little bit more stiff back there, and it's going to, it completely changes the complexion of the game and the way Rising plays. And so that's sort of what I took a look at this week. There we go. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, his legs were instrumental late versus Florida last year. So, you know, if, it, if you take that away – uh, it certainly will be a lot more difficult for that uh, Utah offense to kind of, I think, live up to its uh, its ceiling uh, if he can't if he can't run the ball. So, uh, lots to look forward to in the next few weeks uh, with that big game uh, coming up on the opening Thursday night of college football. So, not much longer, will, but a few more weeks right here of fall camp. But uh, excited, ready to go. But uh, yeah, it's hard to contain when you talk start talking about your true freshman. It's hard to contain the, the the excitement for the season but uh yeah we have to we have to for a few more weeks 24 days away my good friend <laughs> 24 days like i'm i'm ta- i already took that friday off i've already got it reserved um to make sure that uh once i'm done writing my recap i can have a couple of beers and then go to sleep and uh you know well you'll be <laughs> you'll be up late just like i will i'll be oh, up yeah. sure because those late night games are uh, are rough early in the season but uh wouldn't have it any other way man it's it's like christmas for us especially an early game prime time everybody's gonna be able to get to see it and if florida pulls out win all of a sudden the complexion of the program i mean that that's the interesting thing right is last year after the two wins to put them at six for, six and four over a&m and and over south carolina we were sitting there going we're seven and five minimum yeah. maybe eight and four and then all of a sudden the wheels just fall off and so it leaves a really sour taste in your mouth from what from what happened last year whereas if it had just ended two and two to end the season as opposed to oh and four then then i think you've got a very different um you got you got a very different view coming into this year and so i'm looking forward to seeing whether they can establish or reestablish where that is and reestablish some of the confidence that everybody had coming out of those couple of games right after the georgia game because uh um, you know, I think that's still in there. The question is, are they going to be able to get there this year? And and where's that ceiling and all that sort of stuff? And it's it's fun to be able to watch all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lots of new faces and true freshmen, as we just said. A lot of transfers. We got it all breaking it down for you with all those new faces on transfers. True freshmen. Hopefully we'll hear some more from the true freshmen these next few weeks. But uh, really looking forward to it. We're really looking forward to uh Getting there. Looking forward to getting there. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. You can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSCC and a site readandreaction.com. I am your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown.